The Bible Study Podcast, episode 471. Today is a special episode of the Bible Study Podcast and a one-week break from the book of Proverbs. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I'm not going to talk about Proverbs today, but we'll talk about it next week. I want to bring you a sermon that I gave at my home church, Bethel Lutheran Church in Cupertino, last week. This was a sermon on both the Old and New Testament readings for the day. The readings for the day came from Luke 15, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or the prodigal son, and from Exodus 32, the story of the golden calf. And I hope you enjoy it. Will you pray with me? Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Uh, First, I'd like to thank Pastor Ben for inviting me to preach this morning. And I say that because one time when I preached in the last couple of years, there was some confusion. That morning, I read the lessons and then walked out here and started to give a sermon Some people didn't catch that I was supposed to be doing that. (laughs) They thought I had overstepped my authority, that I was in the wrong place and doing the wrong thing. Well, that's what happens to Jesus in the New Testament lesson. There are the religious leaders who think he is in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, and especially with the wrong people. He's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And I love the fact that our gospel lesson puts sinners in in quotes. Those were not there in the ancient Greek. So tax collectors, why tax collectors? These aren't people who work for the IRS. These are people who are collecting tax for who? For Rome, who is the occupying power. These are people who are traitors. These are people who are working for the enemy is the way they were seen. And sinners, when we say sinners, we're not using this in a good Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God context. We're using this in the context of the people that everybody in town knows are sinners. You don't hang out with those people and you certainly don't eat with those people. And Jesus has a difference of opinion with the religious leaders, and he tells them three parables, three stories. We have two of them in our gospel, our lesson for today, and then the third one. We have the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the third one is probably the more familiar, the lost son or the prodigal son. So he tells the story of this shepherd goes and loses one of his hundred sheep. And he doesn't say, well, our business projections were that we would have roughly a 1% loss this season, so that's pretty good, right? He doesn't do that. He leaves the 99 behind, which may be questionable from a shepherding point of view. This is not a shepherding story. This is a story about the shepherd cares for this lost sheep. And so he goes and he searches until he finds it and he brings it back. And there's what? There's rejoicing. And Jesus says, in the same way, when one of these sinners repents, changes their way, comes back to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. Then he's not sure they got it, so he says a second story. He says there's a woman who has lost one of her ten silver coins. 
and she ransacks the house. She lights the lamps. She's apparently doing this at night. She's looking all over the place for this thing that is of great value to her. And she looks until she finds it. Now, I was thinking as I was trying to put this in context, the thing that I thought of that we had was one time we were about to go to Italy. We were going to get on a flight the next morning. And the night before, Joan went to the place in our file cabinet that has a folder that is clearly labeled passports to get our passports that we would need for the flight. And she opened the folder and it was empty. And we looked everywhere. We, we couldn't figure out where we looked everywhere. We looked twice, we looked three times. And we finally convinced ourselves to go to sleep that night thinking maybe we had left them in the safety deposit box at the bank. We'll wait till the bank opens in the morning and before our flight, we'll, get, we'll run to the bank. By the way, they were not there. We desperately, desperately wanted these to be found. Uh, and fortunately for us, uh, we, they were found. They weren't found actually by us, but by Susan who was traveling with us. Uh, and people wonder why we travel with Susan Levitt. Um, <laughs> and there was great rejoicing, as you can imagine. There was also frantic running to the airport, but there was great rejoicing. And that's what this woman had. She found this thing of great value to her. And so she celebrated. She could not hold the celebration to herself. She calls in the neighbors and they have a party. Hopefully a party that costs less than the cost of one silver coin, but we don't know that. But this is not a story about financial prudence of keeping gold, you know, silver coins in your house. But it's a story of what was lost and the joy that you have when it is found. And Jesus says again, Just in the same way, when one of these sinners repents, changes their way, comes back to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. And then he tells that third story, the one we didn't read this morning, but briefly, it's the story of two brothers, and one of them goes to his father and says, you know, when you die, I will get half your stuff. But I can't really wait for that, so I can't wait for you to die, basically. So can you give me half your stuff now as if you were dead? That is the equivalent of what he said to his father. Strangely enough, the father gives him his stuff. He goes off. He blows it. You're familiar with the story, probably. He loses everything. He finally comes back, and he's going to throw himself on his father's mercy and become a servant. And his father won't let him. He greets him, runs to him, puts a robe on him, a ring on his finger. They kill the fatted calf to have a party because his lost son is found. Overlooking for a second that whose half that fatted calf came from, not the, you know, which we have some problems with the other brother, but we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, But this is not a story about fairness even. It's a story about love. It's a story about a father who says to the other brother, how can we help but celebrate? Your brother who was dead is now alive, who was lost is now found. And Jesus says now for the third time, in the same way, when one of these sinners repents, changes their ways, comes back to God, there is a party in heaven. All of this is in contrast to the Old Testament lesson for today. You're apparently sitting in the Old Testament this morning. In the Old Testament lesson, we find ourselves on Mount Sinai. We have just received the Ten Commandments. 
And shortly thereafter, the people of Israel are worshiping a golden calf. Frustrating story. God is frustrated with them. God is angry with them. There is smiting going on. But let's, let's put this in a little larger context. At this point, remember when we left the book of Genesis, those of you who've read the book of Genesis, we end that with 12 sons of Israel with their families living in Egypt. When we start the book of Exodus, it is hundreds of years later, and they have now turned into tens of thousands of people, a tribe, but a tribe that has been put into slavery. They are a tribe of slaves, and they've been slaves for hundreds of years. And God hears their cries, sends Moses. They bring them out with the help of 10 plagues that he sends to make the Egyptians not want them there anymore. And you remember the story. They come to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are following after. God parts the sea. They go through, drowns the Egyptians. Shortly thereafter, they come here to Mount Sinai, where this story takes place. They don't go directly to the promised land. They come here to get the law and to get instructions. Moses goes up on the mountain, comes back down with the Ten Commandments, reads it to them as far as we know once. There's some other things go on, and then he is called back by God to go up the mountain because I've got more instructions for you. He is up on the mountain from Exodus 24 to Exodus 32. And he is there to get instructions on how to make the tabernacle, how the, the priests are going to dress. We start to get the dietary law. We get all sorts of instructions. So it takes some time. There's a delay. And while they're delayed, the whole mountain of God is covered with a consuming fire, is the way it puts it in Exodus. And the people of Israel are at the bottom of this mountain waiting for Moses. And he is delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Now, how many of you had an unwritten rule when you were in high school or college, how long you had to wait in the classroom for the instructor if they were late before, before you could leave? How, how long did you wait? 15 minutes? Some people say 20. They're a little more generous. 15 is, is a pretty good answer. Moses is delayed for 40 days and 40 nights up at the top of a mountain that is covered with consuming fire. They think he is dead. And so they go, to Abraham, they go to Aaron, his brother, and they say, in the worst of all ideas, considering they just got the Ten Commandments and that started with, don't have it other gods, they say, make us a god and we're going to worship this golden calf and we're going to say that this is the god that got us out of Egypt. Frustrating idea. Frustrating with the people of Israel as I read about them in Exodus who continually, continually rebel. But as I reread it through recently... I saw a couple things that I hadn't seen before. This isn't just a rebellious people. They're a frightened people. When I didn't say, when they got to the Red Sea and they were blocked there, they turned to Moses and they say, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? And it is a refrain that will keep coming from them over and over again. At Meribah, when there's nothing to drink, it's the same refrain. When they finally get to the promised land in the book of Numbers, about a year after they leave Egypt, they get to the promised land, they send in spies, and the spies come back, and most of them say, we can't do it. They're too big. They're too strong. 
Why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? This is a people who were afraid. And this is an odd day of all days to talk about fear because this is 9-11. This is a day that we remember our fear. And also a day when we remember that things have changed and we don't know what the new normal is. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. And that's what's going on with them is they don't even know what it means to be Jewish yet. As they stand here at the mountain of God, think about it. To put it in perspective, they've had one Passover. As far as we know, they haven't given any sacrifices yet. They don't, they're still setting up the priesthood. They haven't done any of that yet. They've heard the Ten Commandments, I think, once as I read that through that. And then Moses goes to get the written version. That's what he is doing as he is delayed. They're still slaves in Egypt. They're a bunch of freed slaves. They don't know what it means to be the people of God yet. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they're going. And they don't know whose they are yet. It took 10 plagues to get Israel out of Egypt. What we will see in this story as it continues, it will take 40 years to get Egypt out of them. 40 years till they finally give up the idea of why don't we just go back to Egypt? At least we had something to eat there. At least we had something to eat there and it wasn't manna. And the story we get this morning with God very frustrated with them Moses calls him back to the promise I made to Abraham. The promise he made to Abraham. By, you swore by yourself. Even when God gives them the law, he says to them, I didn't choose you because you were the best. I didn't choose you because you were the brightest. I didn't choose you because you were the holiest. I didn't choose you because you were the only one I could choose. He chose them because he loved them because he loved Abraham, and because they needed him. Which is the point that Jesus is making to one of their descendants, right? This people, these religious leaders who think they are all that, these people here, these sinners that he is spending time with, that he is eating with, God isn't choosing them because they are worthy no more than these people what these people are worthy of is being smited (laughs) right what God is choosing them because he loves them and because they need him and now us this day this place we have to be reminded of the same thing. God didn't choose us to be the people of God because we are all that. Uh, Some of you are pretty great. I know some of you, a number of you. But we aren't the smartest or the holiest or the best choice on every day. We have days that we are full of fear and we have days where we can be full of disobedience too. But God chose us because he loves us. And because we need him. And that's important that we remember as they needed to remember not just 
who we are, but whose we are. Amen. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.